Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Welcome to episode 30 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel, flying solo once again. I am confident that in the next week or two, we will have both Todd and Peter back on the show. So if you're sick of hearing my voice all by itself, that will probably end within the next week. Happy Monday to you. I couldn't wait to get this episode out. I almost recorded this on Sunday night, but I didn't. I had to wait another day. I did not watch the Game Pass coaches version this time, so there's probably some stuff I missed, um, but I probably miss stuff every week. So what's the difference, really? Thanks for showing up today and listening. Thanks to our 492 Twitter followers. We're almost up to 500, and that's pretty cool since we don't beg for Twitter followers. If you are listening to my voice and you don't follow us on Twitter, follow us at Average Cheese, AVG Cheese. You can also send us a message on anchor, anchor.fm slash AVG Cheese, and you can email us at avgcheese at gmail.com. Thanks to the sponsors, Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. I really appreciate all that you've done for us. And thanks to Andy at thirdeyegraphics.net. And I just had a conversation with someone today and we might have another sponsor. So that's pretty exciting. So let's talk Packers. First of all, Jared Veld here, you fucking idiot. You screwed it up. You could have been the one and only player to ever play for two different teams in the playoffs. There is absolutely no way this is going to happen again. If you're not familiar, Jared Veld here played with the Packers. The Colts picked him up. He was on their practice squad. They pulled him up from their practice squad, and he played in their first-round game, which they then lost. So because Veld here was really never on the roster, the Packers could pick him up. If he would have been on the Colts' official roster, then the Packers would not have been able to put him on theirs. But because of the COVID rules, which probably will never happen again, he was picked up by the Packers. And maybe it wasn't his fault, but he got COVID. And because he got COVID, he was not able to be put on the Packers' roster for last Saturday's game, for Saturday's game. Now, he could be called up. And I would be awesome if he got in for even one play in this NFC championship game versus Tampa Bay, because he'd be the one and only person to ever play for two different teams in the playoffs in the same year. Was anyone nervous this last weekend? Cause I was, I honestly, about two hours before game time, I felt like I was about to play in the game. Like I just couldn't sit still. It was crazy. So I had to drink some alcohol like the rest of the state of Wisconsin it's what we do, right? We got to somehow calm the stress, calm the nerves. Because our Green Bay Packers were playing in a game that 
while most were confident that they would win it, I mean, you never know. I talked about it last week. You just don't know. Now, this has been an amazing year. Sometimes things happen, but not in this game. Really was, I don't want to call a cruise control game because it certainly wasn't because it was the playoffs and there's never a cruise control game in the playoffs. But I thought the Packers pretty much had this game from beginning to end. It was a little shaky in the beginning, maybe. But once Aaron Donald couldn't make any plays, I felt like the game was over. So let's go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. I could have called it the great, the bad, and the ugly, maybe. The offensive line was absolutely perfect. Rodgers was never sacked. Aaron Donald was never a threat. The Packers running back room went for 191 yards in this game. They literally, pun intended, rammed it down their throats. I was talking to a friend of mine and I said, you know, David Bakhtiari is the best left tackle in the game. No question in my mind. Because he can pass block no other. You give up a little bit of pass blocking with Billy Turner. He was very good, but he's not David Bakhtiari in pass blocking. But I would say that Billy Turner is probably a better run blocker at that spot than Bakhtiari is. And if that's the case, you run the ball more. If your line is more suited to running it, you should see a little bit more running in the Packers attack. And you saw it in this game. The Packers controlled the front four of the Rams and dominated. They simply dominated the line of scrimmage. And that was it. Early on, Jared Goff, this is a good thing. The good thing is that the Packers defensive line really put a lot of pressure on Jared Goff. Now, Goff had some really nice throws in the beginning of the game, had a couple of those long in routes that seemed to plague the Packers pretty much in every game. And Tampa Bay also beat him on this play back in week six. But the line was getting there. Like, they were close. Gary was getting there. There was constant pressure on Goff, even in those really good throws that he made. Packers defensive line also had four sacks and just an absolute shit ton of pressure. In fact, in this game, I'll talk about Rashawn Gary later when we get to the defense. But Rashawn Gary was awesome in this game. And he's come full circle from the garbage player that he was early on. He is the guy they needed him to be. Not only in rushing the passer, but now I really like Rashawn Gary on running downs. He stands up the tackle. If you put a tight end on him to run block him or pass block him, that's not happening. Rashawn Gary is going to destroy that dude. He's going to get to the ball carrier or he's going to get to the quarterback. The other great, not good thing in this game is Jair Alexander. (laughs) And it's funny, right? I even throw the ball in his direction. You know, there was the whole debate with Jalen Ramsey. And Jalen Ramsey is a very good cornerback. He had a very bad game against the Packers. But very little attention was paid to Jair Alexander. So he gave up one catch in this game for negative three yards. One catch, negative three yards. Jalen Ramsey, I can't remember. I think he gave up six catches in this game. Quarterback rating against Jalen Ramsey was like 144. Now, I don't know what one catch for negative three yards is. Quarterback rating goes, but it should be negative, right? I'm sure it's not, but it should be negative. There were a couple bad things in this game. Again, I have to nitpick 
but a playoff win, there aren't going to be a whole lot of negatives. The one thing that really bothered me in this game was the Packers had a chance to step on the Rams' neck and finish this game. Rodgers missed MVS down the sideline on what he admitted was a really bad pass, and he absolutely missed him. And then Lazard dropped that sure touchdown. Those two plays, if they go for touchdowns, the game is over. The Rams are not coming back. Jared Goff just didn't have it. He doesn't have enough, and maybe he just doesn't have enough, period. And maybe it's to the Packers' credit that the defense is just playing that well. But Cam Akers, good player, not great player. Woods, good player, not great player. Golf, good player, not great player. I mean, you can just look down the line. And Cooper Cup, okay. Let's just talk about this here. Anyway, Cooper Cup had bursitis. Bursitis is when the bursa sack, it's like a basically a water pocket behind your knee when that bursts. Okay. Cooper Fergus, a kid that wrestled for me, had bursitis when he wrestled for us. Now in wrestling, you spend a lot of time on the mat, right? Your knee hits the mat all the time. He somehow, as a high school kid making $0 and 0 cents, was able to fight through bursitis. Cooper Cup making millions. Don't know what his contract looks like, but Cooper Cup is making millions of dollars. He could not play in a playoff game. What a fucking pussy. I put that quarter in before because, I, really? You can't play with bursitis? Come on. It's a playoff game. I don't know, man. I don't know. I would have no confidence in Cooper Cup when the chips are down. None. Anyway, another bad thing, A.J. Dillon coughed up the football and then was hurt. Status on him is, I think he was, I fumbled hurt. I hope that's what it was. But that was, it ended up being a nothing play. But him being hurt, it would be nice to see A.J. Dillon carry the rock again against Tampa Bay. I said it after week six, I think A.J. Dillon punching White and David in the face over and over again, like Mashawn Lynch says, run over, what does he say? Run over a motherfucker's face over and over and over again. A.J. Dillon is that guy. He will smash guys in the face, so hopefully he's healthy. The other bad thing, and it's the special teams rearing its ugly, very ugly head. J.K. Scott had a really bad punt in a sort of crucial situation, maybe 30 yards when they really needed him to blast one. The ugly also revolves around J.K. Scott. Sean Menenga cannot get fired fast enough. Day after the Packers win the Super Bowl. J.K. Scott. Now, granted, he made a really nice catch on this play. Snap goes way behind him. He sets the ball down, throws the old timing off. He starts to run off to his left, and he forward laterals it to Mason fucking Crosby. Okay, first of all, J.K., Mason Crosby looks like your grandpa. Now, granted, he's not super old, but one, he's the fucking kicker, you idiot. I know he had a green jersey on, so you're like, oh, I got to get the ball out of my hands because I weigh 127 pounds and I'm going to get killed. 
Mason Crosby may weigh 170 pounds, but he's also going to get killed, JK. For God's sake, we can't have our kicker, who's fucking been perfect on the season, getting killed by some 300-pound lineman because, I don't know, you panic. Next time, JK, do anything but what you did. Lay there on the ground and give yourself up. Or, I don't know, kick it, punt it, something. Try drop kicking it. Throw it. I don't Don't throw it. Don't throw it. All I thought of when I, when I started to say what, that was, Garo Upremian. That's what I thought of when I thought of J.K. Scott throwing it. But God bless it. Mason gets hurt, and he's holding his collarbone, and I'm thinking, oh, no fucking way. Mason Crosby just broke his collarbone because J.K. Scott lost his mind on a bad snap. Anyway. Talk about the offense a little bit. So the MVP, Aaron Rodgers, had 296 yards passing, two touchdowns, 108 quarterback rating, which is, you know, good, right? For him, that's okay. It's a good game. When Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to win you a game and you run for 191 yards, I don't care what his quarterback rating is. Aaron Jones had 99 yards in this game in that huge 60-yard run to open the second half. I darn near crapped my pants when he broke through. That's what Aaron Jones is going to give you. He might give you 13 carries for 39 yards, but that next one's going for 60. You don't have that in Jamal Williams. That was a huge play. Aaron Jones is a playmaker. As far as throwing the ball, Devontae Adams was, I don't know, not necessarily Devontae Adams. He only had 66 yards in this game. He did have nine catches for 66 yards. He was calling out Jalen Ramsey, like, follow me around. I'm still going to beat you. I love that confidence in Devontae Adams. Alan Lazard with the big catch, iced it. He had 96 yards. Tanyan, again, not Tanyan. Tanyan had 60. That's awesome balance. EQ St. Brown caught a big pass in this game when Rodgers caught the Rams with 12 men on the field. It's just nice that they don't have to rely on Adams. You know that they can if they need to, but they don't have to. And I talked about this you know, a couple of minutes ago. The offensive line was absolutely outstanding in this game, both run blocking and pass blocking. And Rick Wagner, you got screwed on that play. I rarely complain about calls. Okay, maybe rarely is incorrect. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't complain very often about calls on Twitter but that was a really bad holding call on Rick Wagner. It felt like one of those plays like, no, we don't want this game to get out of hand. So we're going to call this holding penalty right here. Cause if they run down the field, this game is over. For those of you who are big Las Vegas betting theory, like conspiracy theorists, that felt like a Vegas holding call right there. I don't believe in any of that, but it just the timing of it was like, it was awful. And it was a, Bad, bad call. He wasn't holding. If you don't agree, feel free to contact us at ABG Cheese. Send me a Twitter message. The defense was great in this game. You know, for all the talk, including me, that the Rams defense was going to be great in this game, it was really the Packers defense that was great. My man, Kenny Clark, 1.5 sacks, three tackles, a tackle for a loss, and two quarterback hits. You know, maybe that couple of games in the middle of the season – might have helped Kenny. And you know they read the press clippings, right? And they see stuff on social media. 
and all week it was about Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. Kenny Clark was probably like, fuck that. I'm the best interior defensive lineman on the field right now. And I know he wants to prove it. All the pub going one way. And Aaron Donald didn't do jack shit this game. I'm running out of quarters. Rashawn Gary, I can't wait to talk to Todd again about this on the air. Rashawn Gary, sack and a half, three tackles, one for a loss, three quarterback hits, and on one play. I don't know what play it was. The Rams had the tight end on Rashawn Gary, and we've talked about it. His hands are violent. He just whipped the tight end. It must have been Everett. Just whipped the tight end out of the way. Here's to Tampa Bay putting Gronkowski on Rashawn Gary. Or was it Chad Brate? I don't know what the fuck his name is. Neither one of those guys is going to handle Rashawn Gary. So let's hope that happens. A lot of times it's been Gary whipping up on some backup, some second string guy. But this was Andrew Whitworth a lot of the times. Now, Whitworth, granted, he's 39 years old. He's old as hell. But Whitworth was a pro bowler, a multiple-time pro bowler, and an all-pro. He was a three-time all-pro, I want to say. So Rashad Gary not beating up on scrubs. Great game against a very good player. Now, whether he lines up against Tristan Wirfs or whether he lines up on the, on the, left, uh, on the right side of the Packers defense, I don't know. But I feel good about that matchup. Wherever Rashawn Gary is, he's going to create plays. And I beat up on Preston Smith a bunch of times, but he had a, a big pass deflection in this game. Yeah, you don't like to see Preston Smith drop back in coverage, but he didn't get abused this time. And finally, Chris Barnes is a fucking stud. And that's my last quarter, so I guess I can't cuss anymore. Had 10 tackles with a club on his hand. Hurt his thumb. Wrapped that thing up with a club, came back. If he wouldn't have that club on his hand, he might have had a pick in this game to go with his 10 tackles. That was a great pass defense. Chris Barnes, I don't know if he has the elite physical skills of some of the linebackers. Now, clearly, there was a reason why he wasn't drafted, right? So maybe his measurables weren't great. But sometimes guys are just football players. They're instinctual. They see things, they're, they're able to read and react on plays. And I know it's early. It's only been one year for Chris Barnes, but he's been that good. Now, if he can figure out the other things, the things that come with a little bit of experience, he's already got the green dot on his helmet. He's already figuring out the plays and being able to call things as an undrafted rookie free agent. And his emergence has made Christian Kirksey better. I know I beat up on him a lot. And I mean a lot. But when he doesn't have to manage the system and can just play that second linebacker spot, he's been pretty good. Going through the playoffs with him as the second guy, not with the green dot, that might be big. If he can read, react, and just make plays, especially in the championship game and then in the Super Bowl, oh, God, it's huge. Special teams, special teams is what you expect it to be. Botched snap, a really bad 38-yard kick return against us in a kind of crucial time. Like, okay, let's stop them here. Let's make them go the distance of the field, and time's not going to be in their favor. 
and they go return a kick for 38 yards. Going forward, it can't fix it, right? We can't do anything about it. You can't bring that kicker with a booming leg whose only job is to kick it through the end zone. It's too late for that. Clearly, J.K. Scott cannot do it, or they probably would have had him doing kicking off instead of Mason Crosby. Mason Crosby in the cold, and, and a lot of kickers in the cold, are going to struggle to kick the ball 70 yards with an ice-cold ball with the footing not being absolutely perfect. There's no answers. If you can't kick it through the end zone, do you squib it? I don't know. I was listening to, I think it's J.J. Leahy. J.J. Leahy, you can come on our show too if you'd like. And he said, as athletic as Oren Burks is, that fool has no idea how to play kickoffs. He gets out of his lane. He doesn't know his assignments. He's always trying to rush towards the ball. We can't have that, Oren Burks. These are your last two games as a Packer. Please don't fuck it up. We can't afford that. Stay in your damn lane. Do what you're supposed to do. If they only return the kick 18 to 22 yards because you did your job, that's all we need at this point. Don't try to do things that are not your role. So my daughter just went to college, what, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago now, and I gave her all my quarters. So Carthage stole all my cuss jar quarters. They're probably in some stupid wash machine right now. So I may have to recycle. So if you hear me all of a sudden wiggle the jar, oh, yeah, <laughs> never mind. I got another stack right here. So I got about eight, nine quarters. So I might cuss a couple more times. Anyway, uh, a couple of miscellaneous thoughts about the game. Was Tyler Lancaster really hurt or was he just falling down so the defense could get a rest? I'm not hating on you, Tyler Lancaster, in this situation. If that's what you did and you had the wherewithal to realize that the defense was getting gashed and they were all sucking wind and you decided to fall down and pretend you were hurt, great job. That might have been your best play of the entire year because the Packers needed it. They were reeling kind of badly early and they needed a break. You can't just call a timeout because your defense is fucking gassed. This is not Packer related, but I have to say it. And this is not the first time this has happened. I'm a little concerned for Pam Oliver. Does anyone think that Pam Oliver may have had a stroke at some point, like during the year? And this is not the first time I thought that. Like, it, I, I know that she was speaking really slowly, and I'm not making fun. This is not in jest at all. I hope she's all right. I really do. I know she was trending on Twitter, and I just thought, wow. I would never put anything like that on Twitter. I mean, I did say it. Marcy and I talked about it a little bit during the game, but I hope that she's okay. Some more miscellaneous stuff. 8,600-something fans at Lambeau for this game, and it was awesome. It looked kind of crowded, to be honest. When they showed the lower bowl, while it was distanced, it really didn't, I don't know. A lot of folks got bunches of seats, and I think that it had an impact on the game. I really do. I don't know if the Packers will decide to open it up to more fans for the NFC Championship game. I hope they do because we don't get there very often to host a playoff game, and especially the NFC Championship game. That's a huge thing, and having fans in your stands is an advantage. Now, it's not going to be the 80,000 roaring fans that changes the cadence or changes how they call plays because they can't hear, but it's a positive influence for sure. It was awesome to see fans back at Lambeau. I would love to be there for a game. Packers dominated the uh, 
time of possession game, as you would expect if they run for 191 yards. A couple years ago, what I don't know, 2011, 2012, when the Packers were throwing it all over, it exposed the defense for what it was because they weren't holding on to the ball very long. You hold on to the ball for a long time, and your defense is fresh. I mean, it's. I hope it will happen against the Buccaneers as well. Two more miscellaneous things. Snacks Harrison only had three plays in this game. And Brian Price, whoever the fuck that is, like jumped off sides and he ran off. I don't know. I'll just say it. Either play Snacks Harrison or cut him. Because I don't know if he's a malcontent or a cancer in the locker room. But he came. He's been on three teams. And now he's on your team. You don't need him going south. This is too important. If Snacks Harrison is not the answer, you brought him in. If he is not good, you're not paying him anything. All he's going to get is playoff money. Let him go. Or play him. And the last miscellaneous thing, I know we all want the Packers to play in the Super Bowl. Can we just keep playing games after the Super Bowl? It can't end this weekend because it just needs to continue. And once the Packers win the Super Bowl, can it continue after that too? It's one of those seasons you just don't want it to end. Like so many good things have happened this season. It's such a positive season. It's going to be a shame when it's over after we win a Super Bowl. I mean, it'll feel good to put the Lombardi trophy back where it belongs, but it's going to suck when the season is over. All right, let's talk a little bit more about the other games that were played this weekend. Bills 17, Ravens 3. If you go through the statistics of this game, you wouldn't think that Buffalo won. First downs, Baltimore 19, Buffalo 17. Rushing yards, Baltimore, 32 carries, 150 yards, no touchdowns. Buffalo, 16 carries, 32 yards. Passing, Baltimore, 20 for 37, 222 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Buffalo. Josh Allen was 23 for 37, 206 yards, one touchdown. Now, Lamar Jackson was sacked more than Josh Allen was, but he had more net passing yards. The Baltimore Ravens had more net passing yards than Buffalo. They also won the total yardage game. Baltimore had 340 total yards. Buffalo had 220. Baltimore had seven third down conversions. Buffalo only had four. Baltimore had 35 minutes and 33 seconds of time of possession. Buffalo had 24 minutes and 27 seconds. You look at that and you just think, how the fuck did Buffalo win this game? And they won it on that one play. They won it on the 101-yard interception return by, I think, LeRon Johnson. That was it. That was the game right there. Baltimore goes in and scores. It's 10-10. Buffalo wasn't doing anything on offense at all. Teron Johnson, not LeBron, sorry. Teron Johnson. The Bills, who I think are pretty good, eked it out and really didn't play well. But sometimes you got to win those games. got to win ugly. Speaking of winning ugly, Kansas City 22, Cleveland 17. Now, it was rumored, or I don't know, it was talked about on the media that Mahomes had a concussion. Turns out that, I don't know, when he got tackled all weird, blood didn't rush to his head, some weird crap like that. That feels like nonsense to me. Even if he has a concussion, 
Patrick Mahomes will play in the AFC Championship game. Everybody knows it. He will be rushed through the concussion protocol faster than any human ever. Because if he don't play, they don't win. There's absolutely zero chance that Patrick Mahomes sits out of this game. Chad Henney, the backup, came in. Chad Henney's played NFL snaps. He's been an NFL starter. He did really get a big third down on that third and 13. I mean, you don't think the backup quarterback's going to be able to run it. And he did. It was a huge run. It was a huge play in that game. They didn't make it. And then they threw it, a la the Chicago Bears. They threw an out route on fourth and one, which, okay. I guess you got a lot of confidence in Chad Henney. It also, and I think it was Romo, whoever was announcing that game, was like, well, they're not going to snap it. And then they did. And I thought they caught Baltimore off guard because there was really no one out there covering Tyreek Hill. The other observation from that game is the Browns were third in the league in rushing and only ran the ball 19 times against Kansas City. They got out of their element. Baker Mayfield, while he's a good quarterback, is not going to carry you in games. I thought they kind of went away from what they really do well. If they'd have stuck with what they have and just ran it more, I think that's the way. Control the clock. Play your game. Yes, Kansas City has weapons, and they scare you, right? But they weren't out huge. It wasn't like it was 35-10, and you got to start throwing the rock all over the place. Do what you do. You have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Better backfield than like 95% of the league. You run the rock. That's what you've done all year. That's what you should have done here. And the important game, Tampa Bay 30, New Orleans 20. While a lot of Packer fans, including me, wanted to see New Orleans because I really didn't think that Drew Brees could throw it in the snow and the cold, it wasn't to be. And I said this about Aaron Donald on Twitter that, you know, I love it when dudes cry. Like, give me guys like that. Give me guys that love the game and care so much about the game that they're going to cry after a big loss. Those are the kind of guys you want on your team. Now, I beat up on Drew Brees for not having a big arm and, and being washed up or being over the hill. But at the end of the day, Drew Brees is a Hall of Famer. Still seemed to sort of have it this year in spurts. Now, he doesn't have a big arm, but he's never had a big arm. And when you're 43 years old, your arm's going to go. It's not going to be great. But I was sad to see him walk off. You could see it in his face, holding back tears on the sideline. And I'm glad they panned away from him. Like, let the man have his own moment. You know, you can see when those cameras are in your face. And I get it. Like, that's good TV. You want to have Drew Brees crying on the sideline and you can then talk about it. But I'm glad they panned away from him. Glad he had his moment. That look back. That was it. I did see that him and Brady had a conversation after the game with the kids on the field and stuff. And and Drew Brees, you know, hats off to you. you a great career. First ballot Hall of Famer. No doubt. Tampa Bay just was able to get turnovers. And really, I mean, if it's Drew Brees' last game, he didn't play well in it. Former Packer Jared Cook was also involved in two. Got stripped. That was a great play by Antoine Winfield. Jared Cook got stripped, and then the ball went right through Jared Cook's hands on another pick, hit off his shoulder, and ended up in an interception. You can't turn the ball over four times in a game. And really, they were in this game. They were driving on that Cook fumble, and it felt like they had a little momentum on their side. 
it wasn't, I mean, I think Devin White, Devin White had a great play on an interception, was able to jump a route, but a lot of them were just bad plays on New Orleans' part. The other thing I thought about in this game is running back by committee seems to have worked. Ronald Jones is a good player, but he's not a 25 carry guy. And Leonard Fournette, you give him his carries, he runs tough, right? They, they have that running back by committee and it seemed to work pretty well for them. All right, let's talk a little bit. Let's preview the Bucks. First of all, disclaimer, I fucking hate Adamakin Sue. I do. He's a dirty player. I can't wait till that fool is out of the league. So if I say a bunch of negative stuff about him, it's because I hate that fool. He doesn't need to be that player anymore. Or maybe he does. Maybe that's how he fires himself up and, and gets himself going in his advanced age or whatever. And I'm not a huge fan of Tom Brady either. I respect Brady's game. Like, he's won. It's that simple. Will I call him the greatest of all time? Nope, I will not. He is not the greatest quarterback of all time. Is he a great player? Yes. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. Maybe Patrick Mahomes will end up being that guy at some point. I think he has the skill set and the ability, athletic ability to do it, to be that next generation Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers is the greatest of all time, not Tom Brady. Wins are not a quarterback stat. I mean, Tom Brady has, what, 14? I think he's been in 14 NFC champions. No, he hasn't. He's been in one. One NFC champion. He's been in 14 championship games. 14. I think Aaron Rodgers has been in the league 14 years. So I do think Tom Brady is a great player. I know the narrative this week will be Brady versus Rodgers. Brady versus Rodgers. We didn't get it in a Super Bowl. Now we got it in the NFC Championship game. Okay. And I know you know this. Brady and Rodgers are not playing against each other. This is Aaron Rodgers versus the Tampa Bay defense and Tom Brady versus the Packer defense. And I know I'm oversimplifying things here, but it's not Brady versus Rodgers. And I don't think that either one of them is thinking this is me versus the other fool on the other sideline. If they are thinking that, I don't think that's a positive for either one of them. If they think that they have to outplay each other in this game, then they're, they're overhyped. They're too hyped up for this game. Now, that could happen, but I don't think either one of them feels that way. The other thing, this is not a revenge game. The Packers are 13 and 3. The Bucks were 11 and 5. Yes, the Packers lost by 28 in week 6 and it was an ugly game, but it was week 6. This is not a revenge game. Just go out and win the game. That's all. You don't need motivation. You don't need to listen to the clips of that uh, Tampa Bay linebacker, it's either White or David, I don't know which one, who's saying that the Packers didn't belong out there on the field. Mm-mm. Go out there, be professionals. You're the better team. You don't need that motivation. You're not underdogs need motivation. Front runners don't need motivation. They just go out there and they punch teams in the fucking face and they get it done. A little bit about Tampa Bay's offense. They are second in passing yards. That's a huge surprise. Tom Brady had a great season. 
He did not have a great game against the Packers. In fact, the worst game he had this year was in week six against the Green Bay Packers. Brady threw for 300 yards in five of his last six games. The team was second in passing yards. That's Tom Brady. They were second in touchdowns. They were 28th in rushing yards, which if you're a Packer fan, you know that's a good thing. We'll take that. Now, Ronald Jones had some nice runs in this game, and Fournette had some pretty nice runs against uh, New Orleans. But they're not they're a primarily passing team. They're not a running run first team. Ronald Jones did have almost a thousand yards, but in a 16 game season, you only have to average 67 yards a game to have a thousand yards. He did have a great season for him. Uh, and him and Fournette combined for 64 catches. So you know Tom Brady is gonna dump the ball off. Those running backs are gonna be involved. It's a matter of do we have guys out there? Are we worried about that? Because while Brady's arm is better than Drew Brees, he shouldn't be throwing the ball long. That's really not the move for Tom Brady. So you got to kind of keep it up near the line of scrimmage. You know, that, that 20 yards between the line of scrimmage and your back safety, that's about all you need to do. I mean, Chris Godwin is fast-ish. Mike Evans is not. Maybe the one, one of their young guys will come in and do it. But I don't know. Like, there aren't a lot of deep threats on this team. I think your corners, the Packers corners should be able to hold that down. Evans and Godwin are, are good players. Evans had one catch for three yards though, against new Orleans, three yard touchdown. It was his only catch. Godwin was okay. Like they just, again, I, I hate to be overconfident, but they don't scare you. And Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown is washed up. I'm sorry. He might have a decent game against the Packers, but he is not the Antonio Brown of old. You can put your third corner on Antonio Brown a lot of times. I'm super glad the Packers didn't pick that fool up. Uh, tight end, they got Gronkowski and Bright, and they're okay. I would say that they're on the level of Higby and Everett from last week. The Packers did a pretty good job against them. And finally, on offense, the one thing that I thought stood out maybe more than all the other offensive statistics and the things that I just talked about, Tampa Bay does not, in general, start fast. Of their 59 touchdowns they scored this year, only 11 were in the first quarter. Now, the Packers scored on their first five drives of this football game that they just played against the Rams. You score on your first five drives against Tampa Bay, you may be throttling down. Now, I hope they don't throttle down. I hope they just keep the gas on the whole time. But the pressure won't be on them to score. It will be on Tampa Bay to score. And if you force Brady to throw the ball long, and start to get bigger chunks, that's when Savage, Amos, Alexander should start picking balls off. Their defense, as we saw in week six, is that good. They're first against the rush in every category, but they are 21st against the pass. There has to be balance in this game, like I said before, but maybe this is the game that you pass a little bit more. I did see on one play, A.J. Dillon came out of the backfield and went straight down the field. Well, they, that's what I'd like to see Aaron Jones did. I talked about it last week against the Rams because their linebackers aren't very good. Now in this game, Tampa Bay has two great linebackers in Levante David and Devin White. If you make them chase the running back 50 yards down the field, maybe on the next play you bring in A.J. Dillon when they're gassed. I'd like to see some wheel routes. I'd like to see... Uh, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, even A.J. Dillon. I'd like to see them go vertical. 
I'd like to see that skinny post that they've missed on a couple of times. They got it. They hit it with uh, Lazard in this game. The tight end has had that spot open a couple of times. I think you have to make those guys, David and White, chase guys around. I didn't even cuss. I just dropped a quarter. Jason Pierre-Paul has nine and a half sacks for the Buccaneers. Shaq Barrett had eight. Devin White had 140 tackles and nine sacks. Antoine Winfield Jr. really had a nice season this year. Nice rookie season. 94 tackles. And that forced fumble against the Saints was gigantic. I really thought it was a turning point in this game. So like last week, if Dale is the offensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, it looks like this. I think that A.J. Dillon has to get his carries. I still think that he needs to punch David and White in the mouth. But I think you open up with the pass. I said it last week. It didn't really happen because it didn't need to because the Packers were so effective running the football that they didn't need to pass first. But I think you pass a little bit. I think that you are a little bit more pass-heavy early and you get their uh, linebackers running around. get them a little tired, and then you get them thinking. And I didn't see the jet sweep, and I wonder if LaFleur is keeping that for this week. But you have to make them move laterally, not just be able to pick a hole and run through it and stuff the middle. I think that you need to get them guessing. You need to keep them guessing a little bit. I think you throw first. So throw first, and I think you need to get the tight end involved early, and then I think you run and run and run and run and control clock and make Brady throw the football in big chunks so you can get that big defensive play. On the defensive side of the ball, it's exactly what the Packers have done. Now, the Packers have given up less than 20 for like seven weeks in a row. They need to do that again this week. And I think you do it by pressuring the quarterback. Brady, even though he didn't have a great game, had way too much time against the Packers in week six. Rashawn Gary has been playing great. Preston Smith's played okay. Darius Smith's played well. Kenny Clark has been spectacular. Those guys need to bring the pass rush. Now, I don't know if Kingsley Kiki will be available. He could have a big game. He might be, he should be more healthy. If they put pressure on Tom Brady, he starts to make mistakes. He starts to be that whiny bitch. He starts to complain, and, and that's when things could go south. I think you get him going in the wrong direction. As a Packer fan, I said it 84 times already in the last two weeks. I'm not overconfident. I feel good about this team. I feel confident, as, as probably most of you do too. It comes down to hold on to the ball, continue to be good and not turn the ball over, and this should be a Packer win. So I'm going to go with same score I had last week, 31-21. Packers 31, Buccaneers 21, Super Bowl, here we come. Go Pack Go.